So as you know, we've been in a series this month we're calling King Jesus. You know, the emphasis in the month of December is typically in the church is about the, the Savior being born, which is wonderful because that's exactly what he was when he was born. Or uh, a lot of times we talk about the fact that he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And uh, those are beautiful declarations and truths about God. But it's also the time that we celebrate the fact that our king was born. He wasn't just born our savior, he was also born our king. And he is our king, which means that he is worthy to be worshiped as our king. And so this series we're doing this month is called King Jesus, where we are looking at the fact that even as a little baby born, he is our king and he's worthy to be worshiped. Um, you know, King David said in Psalm 24, he calls him the king of glory which we sang about today, actually. And then Zechariah, when he prophesied the coming of Jesus, he said, your king is coming and he's bringing salvation with him. And then obviously in Revelation, John, the apostle, when he got the revelation from God, he said when he's coming back, he's coming back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who he is, he is our king. And that's what we're celebrating this month. And uh, my text verse for today is out of Colossians 3. In fact, I wanna ask you to stand with me, please as we read our text for today out of Colossians chapter three, verses one to four. This is the Apostle Paul's letter to the church. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. So if you're saved, you've been raised with Christ. You are, you've been saved by his grace. Set your hearts on things above, on God's kingdom, not our kingdom, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, everyone say, he is my life. When he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Can anyone say amen? amen. That's a powerful, powerful verse. The uh, title of my message today is A Kingdom Mindset. You pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thank you for this time of worship we have together corporately, God. And thank you for your word that is truth and life. Lord, do your work in our hearts over these next few minutes. God, help us to open our hearts to you and allow your word to produce fruit in our lives for our good, for your glory, and for your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, before you're seated, turn to someone and say, it's about the kingdom. Praise God. So last week, we kind of laid the groundwork for the kingdom of God and talking about Jesus as a king, right? We, we know that Jesus is a king. Well, if you're a king, you have to have a kingdom. And Jesus has a kingdom. We call it the kingdom of God, right? And we, as his followers, are subjects of his kingdom. We are part of the kingdom of God. And the, the kingdom of God is not of this world. In fact, my text verse from last week was where Jesus was standing before Pilate and Pilate said, you are a king. And Jesus said, well, my kingdom is not of this world. It's from a different place. And we as Christians, especially today in 2021, we're kind of okay with the idea of his kingdom not being of this world because we don't have a great context for kingdoms anyway. As I shared last week, you know, we're living here. If you're living in the States, you're living under a democratic republic and it's completely different than a monarchy. So we don't have a great understanding of kingdoms, but at the same time, we don't really have an excuse because the Bible, if you read your Bible, talks a lot about kingdoms. You know, there's two books in the Bible that are named First and Second Kings. And then First and Second Chronicles are really kind of reiterating a lot of what happened in First and Second Kings. And then the books of the prophets, 
most of those, or maybe all of those, were written by prophets that were serving under a kingdom. And it talks about a lot of the different kingdoms of the earth. So we can have an understanding of kingdoms, and especially the kingdom of God, if we're reading our word, right? So we can still understand what that is, and we can't plead ignorance. And what, what God tells us, what the Bible tells us, and what, re- what I read in my text verse, if I could summarize it, is that we are called to have a kingdom mindset. We are called to have our minds and our hearts set on things above, on the kingdom of God in our life. Everything we do, everything we are, is about his kingdom, if we're following his word. Everything is about his kingdom, his glory, his purpose, his plan. And that's what we are here to help fulfill. It's not just on Sunday mornings, or just uh, when we get in a pinch, then we wanna focus on God's kingdom because we need his help, right? In fact, I would suggest to you today that a lot of the pinches we find ourselves in are because we're not making his kingdom the priority in our life. And then we need him to bail us out because we've gotten ourselves into a pinch. How many times have you found yourself in a situation where you've had to ask God to help you with something and looked at it later in retrospect and realized that you were pretty much in that position because you were more focused on your kingdom than you were focused on his. And praise God, he's really good, and he still helps us even when we have our priorities out of order. But we are called to focus on his kingdom. You might say, well, that's easy for you, Pastor. You're, you're in ministry. Well, let me tell you, I believe it with all my heart today that it is no more my job to focus on the kingdom of God than it is yours. Because it's not a thing of ministry, it's a thing of being a follower of Jesus. It's a thing of being one of his subjects, being part of the kingdom of God. We are all called to be about his kingdom in our life. In fact, I would even argue to say that ministry, being in ministry, doesn't necessarily mean you'll have a kingdom mindset. You see, I love this church, I love the people of this church, I'm passionate about this church, I wanna see this church grow, I wanna see a lot of great things, but if I'm not intentional and careful, I can make it all about my kingdom. Church work and kingdom work are not synonymous. It all depends on where we're coming from, it depends on our heart, making sure we're keeping ourselves in check. We're all called to be about the kingdom of God in our life. The problem is that we still have to live here on this earth. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, yet we have to live in this world. So there's a tension there for us as his followers. In fact, Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul tells us that our citizenship is actually in heaven. So what we are citizens of, if we are followers of Jesus, our citizenship is actually not of this world, it's actually in heaven. But that still doesn't give us an excuse. Because Paul also tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 17, look what he says here. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Praise God, glory to his name. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. That's a very important thing that we have to understand as followers, is that we are his ambassadors on this earth. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin 
to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, amen. In fact, that last verse there is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. In my Bible, it is highlighted. It's got arrows pointing to it saying, Reagan, look, you know, just to make sure I don't miss it, that God took this Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us. You know, we talk about Jesus being born as a baby, and you envision that, or you see a, a nativity scene, and you see the baby in the major, you know, every baby is just so innocent and sweet, and you just love them, there's just everything to like about them, right? But then we grow up, and we become adults, and then there's all kinds of problems. Jesus was the same innocence when he was on the cross as he was as that baby. Yet it says God took him who had no sin to be sin for us. He put the sin of the world on him just so that we can be the righteousness of Christ. So beautiful, so wonderful. That is the story of Christmas. It starts with the birth, but it goes all the way to the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's, the, that's our story and that's the gospel. And so we see that we are called to make his kingdom come on earth. So we are called to be his ambassadors. He says he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Basically, what that means in a nutshell is that as Christians, we have been reconciled back to God because of what Jesus did for us. And the reason that we are not whisked off to heaven immediately when we get saved is because he's given the ministry to us of reconciliation. That since you've been reconciled, now God says, okay, now you are gonna be my ambassador and you're going to help reconcile others back to me. You're gonna help bring the kingdom of God in other people's lives. You know, the very idea of an ambassador, if you look at what an ambassador is, that's just a person that is living in a place where they're not an actual citizen, but they're a representative of their country. So the United States has an ambassador in Canada, okay? So he's, he or she is living in Canada. He is an American citizen, but that person is representing the interests of America in another country, in another place that's foreign to them. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying that we are to be on this earth that we are representing him on this earth, even though we're citizens of heaven, we're citizens of a different place, we're here because we are called to be the ambassadors for Christ. The kingdom of God coming to earth is coming through you and through me into the lives of others. He has called us to be that. Many of you know that, that I, I spent a number of years doing missions work, and I have had the privilege of being in many countries, 30 I think total overall, and every country I went, I made it a point to make sure that I did my best to represent the United States well. I know for some of you this might be a shock, but we're not, we don't have a great reputation all over the world, <laughs> in some places, I should say, where people think that Americans are obnoxious, and I mean, I don't know where they get that, because we're all lovable, but they think we're obnoxious, or that we're arrogant, <laughs> or uh, just loud a lot of times. And uh, so I would always make sure that as people knew that I was from the United States, that I would represent well, that I would give them a good taste in their mouth for our country, right? And there was a pride that came from going to another place and saying, yes, I'm, I'm an American and, and, uh, and, and doing my best to have a good rapport and a good relationship with them. But even more than that, in almost all these countries I went into, I also went as an ambassador for the gospel, for Jesus, where I went in sharing the gospel, where I was sharing my faith and and telling people about my faith in Jesus and talking to them about what that looks like. So even more than I was wanting to be a good representative of the United States, I was wanting to be a good representative of the kingdom of God. Because I know that that's what my Bible tells me I'm called to be, that I am an ambassador. When I go anywhere I go, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. 
and for his kingdom. Now you might say, well, you know, I've never been overseas. I'm not, I'm not called overseas, you know, I'm just called here. Well, you know what? You're still an ambassador. Because Peter tells us that we are all aliens and strangers in this world. So for all aliens and strangers, that means we're all ambassadors. We're all living in a place that's not our home, representing somewhere else. So whether you're in Grovetown or Evans, or if you're in South Carolina, or if you're in Alaska, or if you're in China, you are an alien and a stranger in this land. And we are called to be ambassadors, advancing the kingdom of God in our life. We are to carry the name of Jesus everywhere we go, church. We're to carry his name. Because here's the deal. God did not come to make your name great. He brought you and he wants us to make his name great. He's put his spirit in us so that his name could be made great through our lives, through our witness, through our actions, through us being ambassadors for him. But we have to have a kingdom mindset if we're going to accomplish that. And to have a kingdom mindset, we have to have a laser focus, which is very difficult for us to do because we have so many things pulling at our time, our attention, and our energy. But it can be done. And I wanna give you a couple of things today that, I, that we need to be focused on if we're going to have a kingdom mindset. And the first is that we have to focus on believing. Focus on believing. And you might think, well, that's about as basic as it gets. That's, it's the starting point, but you know what? It's something that we all are challenged with every day. Every day. We are, there are challenges coming our way to try to keep us from believing. You know, I mentioned last week that there's, as much as there's a kingdom of God, there's a kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom of darkness is working overtime to try to keep you from believing the truths of the kingdom of God. So believing is not something that just happens because you've said a prayer one time or because you go to church. So believing is something you have to focus your mind and your energy and your heart on to make sure that your belief in the kingdom of God, your belief in Jesus is continually growing. It doesn't just grow because you say you're a Christian. It grows because you are focused on growing your faith and putting emphasis and putting energy towards growing your faith. You see, we could say all day that we believe stuff, but what you believe is actually proven by what you do, right? I mean, let's get real, church, okay? Can I get real with you for a second? Okay, this is my Bible. We can say all day that we believe the Bible. Uh, we believe it's the inerrant word of God, it is flawless, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it is our playbook for this life and for the next life, right? And I believe it with all my heart. I honor it. I hold it close. I make sure I have a nice one with a leather binding. I take care of it. I do all those things. I can say I believe everything about it. If I never open it and I don't study it and I don't read it and I don't consume it on a regular basis, do I really believe it? Do I really believe it? How can I say I believe it but not make it a huge part of my life? Now, that's not to be religious about it and say if you don't read your Bible every day, you don't believe it. But to never crack it or to make it something that you do on occasion when you have the feelings or you can't sleep at night, this is something that if we really believe it, you have to know it. You have to, you have to believe the Bible itself says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is good for reproof, for encouragement. It's good for the life of a Christian to give us food that we need, spiritual food. So if I say I believe it, well, then I should have some proof that I do believe it. I should be consuming it in my life. If I say I believe in prayer, 
but it's never something I do. If I say I believe God can heal through the power of prayer, through the power of laying on of hands, through the Holy Spirit, can physically heal somebody, but I never do it, and no matter how many sick people I'm around, do I really believe it? Because belief is determined, or it's, it is, um, it's expressed by what we do with our life. That's the only way that we really can tell what we believe. Now, I could say I believe that the speed limit laws are good, but if my driving doesn't back that up, I don't really believe it. <laughs> I don't believe that 35 on Old Bel Air is fast enough. <laughs> I don't think anybody believes that the way I've seen people drive on Old Bel Air. What we believe is proven by our actions. And most of us wanna have a kingdom mindset, but how much time do we spend focusing on our faith so that it can actually grow? How much time do we spend? If our focused energy is comprised basically of Sunday mornings, and again, when I'm in a pinch, then I'm probably not gonna grow my faith very much. I'm probably not gonna be, I'm not focused on believing the truth about the kingdom of God very much if the only energy I put towards it is the, the obvious places where I would do that. Because see, here's the thing, church, living this life of faith is challenging. Like, we just need to be honest with ourselves. you know? I don't ever hear anybody ask for prayer because they're having a hard time believing for something. Because it comes across unspiritual, right? But you know what, we have to be real. Because the only way God can actually work in our life is if we're actually real with ourselves and with our God. God can't save you unless you come to him and say, God, I need saving. You're not saved unless you've come to him and said, I need a savior. So how's he gonna, how are you gonna grow in your faith if you're struggling, if you're not coming to him and saying, God, help me, like the dad that had the boy that had the demons and was asking Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, I do believe, but please help my unbelief. And man, Jesus took care of the boy right there on the spot. We gotta be real about where we're at because it is a challenge. Because the whole idea of living by faith is living by something we can't see. You don't need faith for things you can see. I don't need faith to believe that there are lights in this room because I can see them and I can see what they're doing, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. So that's a challenge. It'd be great if Jesus was just here in the room with us and showing us all kinds of stuff and teaching us stuff and we could just follow him around every day. It'd be wonderful, it'd make it easier probably, right? But that's not the way it is right now. We walk by faith, not by sight. In society says, seeing is believing, but in our faith, we believe, we see when we believe. So society says seeing is believing. Like, don't believe in it if you can't see it, or at least understand it, right? We can't see oxygen, we can't see gravity, but you can understand it because it makes sense, right? You can believe that, but everything else, you only believe what you can actually see. That's what society says. But our faith says, if you believe, you will see. In fact, if you look at the story of Lazarus, when Lazarus died, by the time Jesus got to where Lazarus was, he had already died. In fact, he'd been in the tomb for three days because Jesus got there and he said, hey, roll away the stone. And Martha, Lazarus' sister said, uh, Jesus, he's been in there three days. There's gonna be an odor by now. <laughs> and Jesus said, he looks at her and says, in fact, uh, it's in John 11, verse 40. He says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So if you wanna see God's glory, you need to believe. And contrary to that, the Pharisees, which were the group of 
religious people that Jesus rebuked probably more than anybody else in the Gospels that we, have, that we can see. They asked him in Matthew 12, they said, Jesus, we want a sign. If you're the Messiah, give us a sign. The, the funny thing is he'd been given signs all along up until this point. He'd already done a bunch of miracles that they had seen. But they came to him again and they said, hey, if you're really the Messiah, give us a sign. And Jesus rebuked them. And he said, he called them a wicked and adulterous generation because they wanted to see a sign. See, they couldn't, even though they were seeing, because they didn't believe, they didn't see. But if we believe, we will see. And, and it's true in all of us, guys, and it's, it's true in my life. I know that as I grow in my relationship with God, and as I, as I pursue him in my life, I see him everywhere. I see him everywhere. Do you guys, do you guys ever get frustrated because you don't feel like you see the hand of God in your life and, and everybody else seems to see him? You know, when you see somebody put an Instagram post out there, it's a picture of a beautiful sunset, and the caption, they're like, wow, just admiring God's handiwork, and they're just praising God for this sunset, and you're looking at it kind of going, eh. You don't understand how that person, you just think they're just being real artsy, right? But really, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of times you can see God in so many things when you believe that he is who he says he is. You see, we've been in a pandemic for a year and a half. I've seen God all over this pandemic. I've seen his hand all over the place. I've seen his glory, I've seen his faithfulness, I've seen miracles, I've seen so much of who he is even in the midst of a pandemic. That's not to minimize what's happened, that's not to say that there hasn't been bad things that have happened in the midst of this, but, that's, but sometimes we see God in the good, but we can see God in the bad too. I've seen God at funerals, I've seen God in hospital rooms, I've seen him in so many situations that were undesirable because I have chosen to believe who he is and you start to see things you don't see otherwise. But, and you will see when you believe that he is who he says he is. Hallelujah. Also, we have to commit to seeking. We focus on believing, then we commit to seeking. And you might say, well, that's elementary. Of course, we have to seek him, right? But you know, there's a lot of different levels of seeking him. There's different levels of commitment to seeking after our God. And if we're gonna have a kingdom mindset, we're going to have to commit to seeking him, to having a close, intimate, personal relationship with our king. And this is the thing, church, this is what makes the kingdom of God unique from any other kingdom. The king in the kingdom of God actually wants to be accessible to us. See, kings in every other kingdom, they insulate themselves from the people, right? If you're not in their little tiny inner circle, you don't get place with the king. You can't call him up and say, hey, can we get dinner? Can I come over and have coffee at your house? You can't get access to the king. They purposely insulate themselves. In fact, all they want is for you to follow the rules, pay your taxes, and you're good, and just leave them alone. That's what most kings, pretty much every king wants. But our king, wants to be accessible to us. In fact, not only does he want to be accessible, it's not begrudgingly that, he, that he's accessible to us. We weren't accessible to him, and so he literally came, born in a manger, lived a life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, so that we could be accessible to him. That's why he did it, because it wasn't good enough for him to not have access to us. And so he gave us access by what he did. He wants us to have access to him. I will never forget the day I was reading my Bible, I was 18 or 19, and I, the Lord was just starting to really work in my heart. I'd committed my life to him. I was like, I'm gonna, 
lived this Christian life. I dedicated myself to reading my Bible and I got to the Gospels and I read where it said when Jesus died, the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And I just finished reading the Old Testament that was talking about the temple and how the veil was put there to keep us from having access to God because we couldn't go into the presence of God or we'd die. So Jesus dying literally tore the veil in two, gave us that full access into the presence of our God and it changed my life forever. Praise God. Because here's the thing, up until that point, I thought he was a king that just wanted me to follow the rules. Just leave me alone, follow the rules. You break a rule, I'll, def I'll let you know. But unless you do that, I, I don't got time for you. That was my relationship with my king up until then. Now it's like I have full access. But there's the thing, here's the thing, church. We have access to him, but the onus is still on us to seek him. It's on us. We gotta go seek him. In fact, Jesus said very clearly in Matthew 6, 31. He says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So God promises us, he says, I'm going to help you meet your needs. You don't have to worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna wear. You're not gonna have to worry about things if, there's a prerequisite to that, if you will seek first my kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Now notice here, he didn't say seek only his kingdom, okay? He's okay with us seeking other things. You can seek a spouse, you can seek a career, you can seek education. You can seek other things. He just says, put me first. Seek me first. And then you won't have to worry about all the other stuff if you seek me first. Put me first above all those other things. Prioritize in such a way that I am first. Because see, here's the thing, church. Sometimes we believe this lie that, ah, we can kind of just kind of fudge our way through it and God's just gonna work it all out in the end. God's just gonna work it all out, you know? Uh, everything happens for a reason. I am so sick and tired of hearing that. Yeah, everything happens for a reason, but it's not all because of God. Sometimes things happen because you're not putting him first and you're making dumb choices. Sometimes that's why things happen, right? So don't believe the lie that I could just kind of coast and God's just gonna work it out because you know God loves me so much. I mean, nothing can separate me from his love. He's so good. He says, you have to seek him and you have to seek him first. God does not promise anywhere in his word to make up for our misguided priorities. He doesn't. Now, that being said, God's, he's still good. He's still full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's long suffering. He's patient. He's good when we're not. He's faithful when we're not. So he still comes through a lot of times. But man, we put a lot more trouble on ourselves than we need to sometimes because we don't put his kingdom first. We're too worried about our kingdom, our purposes, our glory, our needs, our selfishness. And Jesus says, it's really simple. Put me first, I'll help you with the rest. It's really, really that simple. So what are you seeking today? What are you passionate about? Because we're all passionate about something. Passion is not like, you know, just people screaming and going nuts at a football game or at a concert. That's not just, passion is just really boils down to what you're willing to suffer for. So what are you passionate about? What are you, what's, what are you willing to make other things in your life suffer
to go after in your life. Because Jesus says it needs to be his kingdom first. That needs to be our first passion. See, because we're prone to complacency. Just as human beings, we're all prone to that. I'm prone to that, you're prone to that. We can be very complacent in our faith and we can believe the lie that God's just good enough, he's gonna work everything out, even if I just give him my leftovers. When God says, I want your first and I want your best, because he deserves it, because he's worthy of it all. If the angels are around the throne worshiping him and they're the ones seeing him, we should take our cue from them. They've seen him. They know more than we do. And he demands and cries for our worship and, and to die to complacency. You see, we, we lack desperation as part, as part of our issue. That's why we don't seek him as much as we could because we're not desperate for him. And I tell you, if you wanna pray a very scary prayer that I believe God will answer, pray that he would help you to be desperate for him. It's scary, but let me tell you, when we're desperate for God, your level of seeking him goes up exponentially. And that's really what we want. And so if he has to make me desperate for him, I cry out to him all the time, God, make me desperate for you. Make me desperate for you. And I believe God's good enough that he's not looking at me going, oh, okay, you wanna be desperate? Well, I'm gonna take away your health. I'm gonna take away your money. I'm gonna make you need me more than anything. That's not the God we serve. He can make us desperate for him when we feel like we have everything in the world we would want because we still desperately need him. Ask him to make you desperate for him because frankly, part of the reason, you know, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. Part of the reason society is not running to the church and not running to God but running away is because they don't see a church that's desperate for God. They don't see a church that is completely sold out for our God. So society says, well, why do I need what you got? Which leads me to my last point today is that we need to embrace being set apart. Embrace being set apart. You see, we are in the world, but we're not of it. That's what the Bible tells us. We are citizens of another world, even though we're here. Being set apart, that's, the word is sanctified. We're, we're sanctified by God. That's just a fancy word for being set aside, set apart from everything else. In fact, Jesus, in John 15, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, nobody wants to be hated by the world. And those are strong words. And, and if we love Jesus, it doesn't mean the world has to hate us. But we do need to be set apart. We do need to understand that we are not the same as society. I mean, let's face it, church. As Christians, we're a little different. We have different morals. We have different convictions. We have different standards. We have different passions. I mean, we get up on Sunday mornings and go to church when every, the rest of the world says that's the day to sleep in, right? So we're just a little different. You know, we do things differently. We, we, we approach life differently because of who we are. In fact, you know, I, I don't watch a whole lot of TV anymore, but when I do, I see more and more that if you're gonna live the life of an active Christian, you're gonna stand out because society has completely embraced and celebrates sin. And that's not society's fault, they don't know different. So we don't blame them, we're not anti-society, we're actually, we're wanting to make a difference. But, I mean, you see it all over the place on, it doesn't matter what you're watching on TV either. It, it's everywhere. 
I mean, there's the sexual sin, the sleeping around, the living together when you're not married, the, the, the drunkenness is completely glorified. The objectification of women. You can't watch a football game without the commercials being all about objectifying women, right? And greed is, is celebrated, selfishness. Living your life to just make yourself happy is the motive. So if you're really gonna live the life of a follower of Jesus, and you're gonna, be, you're gonna be sanctified, you're going to look different. You're not going to fit in. And that needs to be okay with us, right? Uh, we're not looking to offend the world. We're not looking to be offensive, but at the same time, the gospel is offensive to those who are far from God. And so we don't look to offend people, but we also can't sacrifice sanctification at the cost of being relevant. We can't do it. You can, you can love people, and we need to have friends in our life that are far from God so that we can be a light to them. But it's not about trying to blend in. And I know in our culture today, it's a challenge because it's a PC culture and everybody's so easily offended and we can worry about being canceled and everything that goes along with that. And I get it that it can be stressful, but what it has done, it's taken an already somewhat anemic church in the United States and made us even more anemic where we just don't share our faith because we don't want to offend anybody. Because obviously now the church, the Christians are seen as the problem in many social circles. And so we're scared to really be set apart, to be sanctified. But let me tell you, sanctification is a lot more than just being freed from sin. It is the intentional commitment of myself to the God of my salvation that I will do whatever he asks me to do. Whatever it is, Lord, my life is yours. He set us apart to be his ambassadors for his kingdom. And our, our drive in life is to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. My life is yours. He, the Bible tells us he purchased our life with a price by what Jesus did for us. So our life's not our own anymore. And so when he says, I wanna set you apart that's actually a good thing. But if you just wanna blend in, in fact, if you blend in and you don't stand out amongst your, your social circle of unsaved people, then you might be serving the wrong king. You might be seeking something else. The, seeking the kingdom of God might be really low on your list because we should stand out. People should see us as being a little different. We're not, we don't try to be weird just for weird sake. But I, the Bible's very clear that if we live lives that are honoring and glorifying to God, it will actually make people want what we have. Some won't, some will hate us, as Jesus said in John 15. Some will hate your guts because they don't understand it and they can't have what you have. But a lot of people are drawn to that as well. All of us were drawn to faith by somebody right? We're all drawn, some, some ambassador of Jesus shared that good news with you to where you gave your life to him. So we're called to do the same thing. Praise God. All right, will you stand with me please now? I'll, I'll pray for us this afternoon. And uh, as we pray, I'm going to ask you just to, to hang out for a minute. We, I'm going to make a couple real quick announcements. It'll just take a second. But let's pray today. And I, and I want to First of all, I'll speak to those of you who would say, you know, I, I, I'm not part of the kingdom of God. I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. 
I want to just challenge you today. There's no decision you'll ever make that's better than, than stepping into the kingdom of God. And the thing is, you know, in a lot of kingdoms, to be part of royalty, you have to have it in your bloodline. You have to be born that way. Well, the beauty of the kingdom of God is that you can actually be born again so that you are part of the bloodline of royalty. And to be born again just means coming to God, saying, I need a savior, I know I'm a sinner, asking God to forgive you of your sins and taking that step of committing your life to him, that first step. And if you don't know how that looks, talk to somebody you know that does or come up front here after service and I'll be happy to pray with you and kind of walk you through it. But for those of us that are Christians today, I would just challenge you. God wants us to have a kingdom mindset, but we have to be focused. We have to be intentional about it. We're not gonna grow in our faith by just hoping that things happen. He's given us the tools, he's given us his word, he's given us his Holy Spirit to lead us, convict us, and guide us. We gotta surrender to that, amen? So let's pray. If you wanna come to the altar, you're welcome to come up as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we just honor you today. We bless your holy name. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. God, you're so worthy of our lives. Lord, we know that we fall short all the time, and we are so thankful that you do not cast us aside, but that you are always faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us when we come to you. So God, we do that today, where, we, where maybe we've been convicted over this last 30 minutes or so. God, we come and we repent. We ask your forgiveness for not putting your kingdom first, for not growing our faith, for not embracing being set apart. Lord, we thank you today that when we come to you, we know that you forgive and that you give us a clean slate and that you not only that, you empower us by your Holy Spirit to live the lives you've called us to live. So would you do that for each and every one of us under the sound of my voice? Holy Spirit, rise up in each one of us. Fill us with your spirit to overflowing God, that we could be your hands and your feet. Lord, make us desperate for you Make us desperate for you, Jesus. As we sang today, I just want you. I just want you. No one else will do. Let that be the cry of our hearts today, God. Not just today, but every day. And then when we struggle with unbelief, that we would come to you, God, and say, yes, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Because, Lord, I know you'll meet us in that place. Lord, we want a kingdom of God mindset. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. Do the work in our hearts that only you can do by your spirit and seal that work in each one of us, Lord, that it wouldn't just affect us today for these next 10 minutes, but it would go with us and it would produce fruit in our lives for the glory of God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we give it up for God one more time? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah.